1: low prices, and prompt shipping. You can find our web store at www.discountgamesinc.com.
0: Welcome to Chain Attack. I'm your host, Trevor, and I like to throw skulls in the tower. (laughs)
2: i'm jay and who who doesn't like that
1: i'm josh and i like to put yard signs in the grass (laughs) i'll I'll still put it in gravel if i have to but man grass is a lot better how many uh
2: how many yard signs planted are you up to
1: um i think we're at the 50 range right now and that's counting both our two by fours and our two by 18 or you know two foot by 18 inch ones
2: uh i I feel like this is where i need to insert the the meme of wolf of wall street those are rookie numbers Uh, (laughs) you've got to
1: pump up those numbers those are rookie numbers that is an appropriate (laughs) meme for what for where we're at yes we'll be working to pump up those numbers again tonight excellent i'm
2: excited to see more of them littering the valley It's not really littering; it's uh, beautifying. I
1: guess. Yes, indeed. indeed. <laughs> As I was going to say that is the worst is that they literally have littered. Like at one point in time, I was I had to go, I had to dive into a canal—not dive, but you know what I mean—go into a canal to retrieve one. So that was fun. So uh, what's your
2: what's your countdown? T minus how many days until the primary?
1: Oh man, it is T minus forty-seven days, Jay. Forty-seven. 47. I it's feel like close. it was just yesterday that my campaign manager said 80 days, and I don't even know what happened to the <laughs> to the other 33 days. And
2: really, the question is like, you know, how's how's the logistics coming along? I know we've had supply chain issues of like the the Chinese ballots and you know everything to <laughs> make sure that that this one's in the bag,
1: Josh. Yeah, I logistically I think we've been pretty good, honestly. Like, I mean, I've gotten everything I need. Oh, you're, I, you, okay, I'm going to confess that I don't actually know if the local elections people have their ballots and such. That's a fair question, Jay. I don't know.
2: But you no, know what? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was making a lame joke about fake ballots being cast for you.
1: Oh, oh I got you. You yeah. would
2: never have to do because you're just going to kick your opponent's butt fair and square.
1: <laughs> okay. Okay. Good save, Jay.
2: <laughs> um... Games that are new releases and exciting. Um, it's been a little bit of a doldrum. One one that's coming up that I'm excited for is that they have uh, Marvel Crisis Protocol next week has a release coming out that is Nick Fury and S.H.I.E.L.D. agents. And, and so there's a a second model that is like some S.H.I.E.L.D. agents that are coming down on out of a helicopter and some rope and then there's uh shadowlands daredevil and electra and then they have like some ninjas that that come with them so delicious ninjas So get your pre-orders in for those um either of you have have anything before we uh dive into our our potpourri of, of topics
1: i'm going to make a mild complaint that my child has been a victim of marketing by the video game industry and is excited about and exposing me to what is clearly a Minecraft clone. And I would like to ask <laughs> the video game industry to stop doing that. What game is this? It's called Muck. Muck. <laughs> No, I haven't seen it yet. It, At least my like, my children
0: have not seen it yet. Let me put it that way.
1: Yeah, well, keep it away from them because it really is. It's just Minecrafty. It's fine. It's slightly different graphics, you know, but it's free. And you know what? I hate free games. I just want to. I want to go on a rant right now. I hate free games because I know what you're really doing, you dirty <laughs> programmers. Okay, so
2: in fairness, Brian Brian likes free games on his iPad for a bit.
1: I'm sure there are plenty of people who are not, you know, old man shakes fist at clouds like me, Jay. But uh I, I am with you in I'm a full fist shaker on this one. Yeah.
2: Um okay, so I've I've got several games for us to or for me to talk about with you guys. Some of them you've probably already played. Um but first off, I was curious a little bit. I I I don't bring this up to with the intention of dancing on the grave or, or rejoicing in failure. But <laughs> oh I, I am kind of, uh, today, Privateer Press announced that uh, they were closing the Kickstarter on the Riot Quest board game and that they were going to retool it some and, and pursue it in the
1: future. Um, so but, this, is like, this, was, this is like a failed Kickstarter then? At this yes. Yes. Yeah, and to my knowledge,
2: that... it, it might be the, the only one that they've had that's failed so far. Savage. Which was part of, so when they announced the Kickstarter, I kind of just assumed that it was going to succeed like a lot of the other ones that they've done had, especially because they had just come off of a $2 million plus board game port of Monster Apocalypse, and And granted, that was one that Mythic was running for them. Mm-hmm. And and the Riot Quest one was one that they were the Prime Press was doing themselves, but I just assumed that they would would I mean I as as a full disclosure probably part of the reason why I didn't I was taken so aback uh, by it was because uh, I I wasn't really interested in the Monpoc uh, Kickstarter I wasn't really interested in the Riot Quest Kickstarter and so it, they both just seemed like uninteresting.
1: <laughs> Sure. Things to be, uh, but, but you, but well, you that, assumed that was your own bias kind of thing, right? Well, yeah, and
2: I assumed that at a minimum they're they're you know they just had a, a Kickstarter that went over two million on a board game. This one they set as the funding level at a hundred thousand, and after two days it was only like a 16 17 day Kickstarter. After two days they were at like I think twenty three twenty four thousand, uh, which in general. On most Kickstarter, I've seen you want to you know at least be fifty to seventy five percent of the way to your funding level within the the first day um so I, I don't know I mean I guess those those were sort of some of my thoughts with it initially um and my surprises with it what were what thoughts did you guys have with it if if any
0: i I didn't pay attention to it at all i mean i I have no <laughs> no desire to play riot quest I thought um that it wasn't interesting to me in the first place, and the board game redo of it wasn't any more interesting than the previous version. So to me, it just it never held my sway. I I did kind of tangentially look at it because I kind of saw it when it came up and sort of you know just glanced at it. There were some things that I thought were really odd, um, like I, if I remember right, they had um, the like the ten basic characters. They had four Either copies, ten or twelve.
2: Of, I think it might have been twelve, but I'm not positive. But yes. then, yes, you're correct. It comes with four X of each of those minis, and they're they're cast in a different color of of plastic or resin or whatever.
0: Yeah, which I I mean I guess I sort of understand because they they want each player to be able to build whatever team they want. But right. that's that's a miniatures game thing. That's not really a board game thing. I think they would have been better off building a game that had pre made teams that were balanced for each of the four players. Um, to, to appeal to the general board gaming public. I think right. the prob- problem was is maybe they were trying too hard to appeal to the Riot Quest crowd who already own Riot Quest. Right, yeah. And not, not enough to the crowd who has not bought into Riot Quest, people like me, who are the board gaming crowd. Well, I look at all that and I'm just like, I don't need any more. I don't especially don't need four copies of every mini sitting around. need
2: four copies of Iris? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> same Iris?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, it just seemed... Seemed excessive. Like it, was, it seemed like it was pointed towards the wrong people, the wrong target audience. I mean, I'm assuming
2: that there really isn't a configuration that they could have done that would have sparked either your interest, Trevor, or, or honestly mine, uh, because I, it's just not really a game that we're interested in.
0: I think there is maybe – there there. let me put it this way. There are ways they could have formatted or framed it that would have gotten me closer. I don't know that they ever could have gotten me to pull the trigger, but if this would have been second edition with board game, different rules, new, but it feels like they're just saying, "Here's our old game. We're going to re-rebox it up as a as a bot board game. Here you go. Uh, do you want this? No, mm-hmm. it's it's already the same game I've already seen. You know, it, if it was something different, um, you know, maybe streamlined second edition rules with pre-formatted teams you know just the same 12 minis but but three teams of four or four teams of three or whatever um you know that were balanced to be able to be played uh with each other rather than mixed match and you could just sit on the table and play it quickly then that's more likely to catch catch me
1: uh
2: i think the and this is this is i guess somewhat an issue with uh fluff of riot quest in general but if if i think of a lot of the board games that i think are really cool or that have had successful kickstarters etc a lot of times they do have kind of what trevor says where you know if this was four teams that each have a distinct aesthetic like if if they have a Riot quest team that's undead and you know they have a Riot quest team of the circle orboros and you know etc cetera, etc cetera, um then that's something that would be a lot more exciting and I think kind of fit what is successful with, um, with board games in general. And it kind of feels to me that instead of doing that, they decided to go with, we're going to use the development that we already have, both in rules and miniatures, and use that to do kind of a cash grab on a, a board game. And, and cash grab is probably a, a poor term because it is a, at least, and granted, I, I mean, I guess miniatures games in general are not the highest value proposition. But if you compare uh, the that board game versus what it would take to get four people playing Riot Quest, it is a, a pretty decent.
0: Yeah, value. That's,
1: fa- that's a fair point.
2: So, I don't know. I, I, I do feel like the thematics of there's. There's not much cool theme behind Riot Quest to get people excited, and then also when it converts over into being a board game, it doesn't have the crossover players of people making Riot Quest purchases in order to supplement their War Machine armies. Right, right. So,
1: because our, our, is the board game? Sorry, if we already said this, is it a different? Is it, is it a different um, scale? I don't know,
0: but I, I, d- I doubt it. I think it's probably the same same sculpts that we got from the original.
2: Yeah. But even if they are the same size, it's not really it's not a they're they're all characters that people who want those models already have those models.
0: Mm-hmm. Or so or, if, or if they don't, they only need one or two of them, not all twelve of them. Right, right yeah. I so, can't think of anybody who besides maybe a mercenaries player who needs all twelve of those models. Right. Most most people need one or two. I don't see any point to trying to market it as a get all 12 of these times four uh, to to any War Machine player. Well, and they would,
2: they also, like in, when they've done other board games like uh, Under City, they've kind even even though they've had some board games in the past that have had models that are similar to War Machine models, they've, not that it's, you know, policed very well, but they've explicitly said that those, that you're not, Supposed to be able to use those models in War Machine.
1: Yeah, great point.
2: So, so I don't know. I mean, it, obviously, the it, it, you know, it's it, it can be difficult when you are um, coming up with a product to predict how the market is going to react to it. And um, obviously, this is not the reaction that private <laughs> press expect expected
1: or wanted
2: or was hoping for. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I do. They've obviously had a lot of very successful Kickstarter's, um, and you know, I, I, I'm, I'm hopeful that, uh, you know, they will continue to have success work going forward. So.
0: I, I, hope they do too. I just feel like they're a little bit out of their. One thing that Privateer Press has always, in my opinion, failed with is, is board gaming. They just don't seem to understand the board gaming market. Yeah. And, and. I just feel like every time they try to jump into it, it it does sort of fail. Um, all their successful Kickstarters have been targeted towards their primary audience, and in this case, they did it again. Except for this time, it bit them because their primary audience doesn't care about the product they're trying to market here. So I I, I don't know. I and it
2: is. I, I realize that the the Monpoc board game was in conjunction with someone else, but. It is pretty interesting to me how um, how successful that one was versus what ended up happening with this one.
0: I guess I didn't really pay that close attention to it, but I feel like kaiju is currently one of those topics, like Cthulhu. You can you make your deck of kaiju, you almost can't mess with it. <laughs> yeah, make your deck of kaiju cards or your your chess set of kaiju, and it's going to succeed on Kickstarter.
2: Yeah, and right, I mean it does it. From what I, I, I didn't pay super close attention either, but from what I saw of it, it did seem like, you know, one of the the common board game uh, successful Kickstarter types are the board games where you look at it and it's like you back it and you receive like just this mountain of miniatures.
0: Yeah, which I hate. That's, which I, I I say that, but I just opened the box to all the miniatures that came with Return to Dark Tower. So,
1: <laughs> so you're part of the problem. I mean, and, and it, it they depends
0: did. on the game whether they're selling miniatures or whether they're selling a game that is ha- enhanced by miniatures. I guess, but
2: well, I don't know. It uh, it it seemed like there were it seemed like the stuff that you got from the uh, Monpoc Kickstarter was a pretty good value proposition as far as like the the number of models and the assortment of models that you got.
0: I'm assuming you didn't get four of everything. Correct. And that, and that. <laughs> Correct. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so anyways, I, I thought that was kind of a, an interesting topic to start off. Um, so the next topic I was going to, I, I recently did a trip out to Adepticon. It was, well, to Chicago, I guess during adepticon um when i when i initially planned the trip um there was definitely a concern of i didn't really want to go to like the full adepticon experience and um potentially bring something back to ryan and so i wanted to you know be able to do some things with friends um but in you know hopefully a little bit safer method than than just uh going to
0: Going to the House of Nurgle?
2: Yes. <laughs> so, uh, on Wednesday, I I flew out to Chicago. One second. Josh, can you maybe disconnect and reconnect?
1: I will try that. Okay, sure. there. You, no, you're, you're fine now. You're actually fine
2: now. Yeah, you were doing like a loud static for a second there.
1: Okay, weird
2: okay so i flew out to adepticon or to chicago on wednesday and went to pf changs with uh hungerford and norbert and Stubbs and thomas hoffman and um and and brent and had a a glorious time getting to to eat at at pf changs with friends again um and then Thursday morning, I I went to breakfast with a friend and then uh, the friend that I was going to be going to his house with and staying with, Tony Riccio, he came Thursday morning and um, Hungerford said that he he wanted us to to swing by his demo area so that we could get a a look at his upcoming game, Rivenstone. And so we we did that. So did you
0: actually buy tickets to Adepticon then? No. Uh-uh. Oh, okay. <laughs> is is the uh, vendor area open to everybody, or did no, you just sneak in?
2: <laughs> they didn't have guards. I don't know if we were supposed
0: to have badges or not. Oh, fair enough.
2: So I don't I don't know uh, actually.
0: Yeah, I don't I don't know if you need badges just for events or not. It doesn't matter.
2: Yeah, and so the uh, the broken anvil guys they were. Uh, they weren't positive if they were going to go to Adepticon because some of the – they they wanted to be sure that they had, like, the dice and measuring devices and et cetera before they committed to going, and that was coming, like, down right down to the deadline. And so they ended up – they did get their stuff, and they um, ended up getting a table that was basically – on the the edge of one of the vendor areas, and so we we went and looked at that and um as a for people who who might not know of of what will's been working on um so there's the company broken anvil they got their their start actually i, I don't know if, what they started with, so i I won't make statements about that what they're currently doing is they have a Patreon that people can join. And if you join that, you get monthly 3D uh, printer files for, Oh, okay. For different miniatures. And so there's like tons of cool, like D and D models. And, and one of the things that wills developed for them was like in one month, uh, he, he created a D and D module. And then the minis that you got through the Patreon were, the minis that populated that module, and I think if you back the Patreon, you get um, you might have access to their back library as well, and which is pretty extensive at this point. And so uh, Oz left um, Privateer Press and and went to Broken Anvil, and Broken Anvil wanted to start making a miniatures game, and so he started development of that, and then hungerford left privateer press and came to broken anvil uh, because oz left broken anvil to go uh be like lead developer for Motchkin, i believe okay (laughs) so he's he's off working for steve jackson now and so um hungerford has been working on this game rivenstone he he took over the development that that oz did and It is going to be a game that is, it's not a 3D print game. It's one where they are making the models themselves. They had a, for people who came and did a a demo, they had a a promotional model that that they handed out to everyone to have them see, you know, what their minis looked like and get a chance to assemble, et cetera. Um, And the game's going to go live on Kickstarter around the end of April, I believe. And they're expecting it to deliver within a year. It is. They are. There's a retailer level that I'll be backing. Um, and uh, Faye left Privateer Press, and now she's working development of of the game as well. Um, and Jordan used to be the the studio painter for Privateer Press, and he's he's doing the studio painting for for them now as well. Um, they're, I, I thought that the models that they had for the demo looked great um it, it looks like an interesting game it's one that i I have uh I, I think I've said before I have a pretty high uh barrier of entry on <laughs> Minter's games, but uh, this is one that I'm planning on on checking out so
0: what's the setting what's the theme I guess I don't
2: so Rivenstone is kind of this it it's a fantasy setting and Rivenstone is kind of a um Magical resource that people are fighting over to, I, I believe it powers magic, but don't quote me on that.
0: So it's Energon. It, it's
1: it, an it,
0: No, it's it's Energon. It powers, it powers Optimus Prime. Okay.
2: Okay. Sure. <laughs> and
0: that's, that's why they fight over it. Him and all the other. Okay. Autobots. Sure.
2: Sure. <laughs> um, and it's, it is a skirmish, level game
0: um it is roughly how many miniatures per side
2: i th- i think probably around you know 10ish
1: oh so really small yeah yeah a squad as they say yeah um it's intended to be a
2: little bit more higher on the complexity scale than say marvel crisis protocol um i think a target game is generally around 90 minutes um, okay So that, I guess, are there any other questions that you might have about the game that I may or may not know the answers to?
1: (laughs) (laughs) I was just tell me what the website is. Yeah, I was I wanted to look the name of the company
2: is Broken Anvil. They do have uh, you'll appreciate this, Trevor, one of their I I think they're starting with four factions and then kind of a a mercenary faction. And and one of the starting factions are uh, dwarves and uh, if, if you were the type of person who liked ugly dwarves, then, uh, some of their dwarf sculpts are, uh, do look pretty good.
0: <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to say they do look pretty
2: ugly. I mean that too. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of, a lot of the previews that they've done have been,
1: uh, dwarf sculpts so far. So, so tell me your feeling on their subscription model, Jay, cause that, that's, what's interesting to me.
2: Um, So i mean i don't know I, it's i i respect anyone who can uh who has a hustle and can
1: make it work <laughs> right. um,
2: but i i'm just
1: i am you're so not the target audience for that right yeah
2: i'm not really the target audience because i'm not a hobbyist and so like it feels like level one is you need to be a painter and then level two you add on top of that like okay i'm going to 3d print my own models.
1: Yeah. It's like Um, two hobbies, right?
2: Yeah. It's, it's, I'm, it feels like I'm several layers removed from it being something that I would, uh, be into.
1: So wait, where do I find the four factions or whatever then?
0: um, so their their website and you can the Rivenstone itself has its own website rivenstonegame.com it, it has very little information right now so oh, i think you you would okay. probably have to piece it together from facebook twitter instagram posts etc hmm. um, i don't i don't know that there's like a clear location where you can find all that information in in one spot i will note that some of the art on that website shows um steampunky sort of yeah
2: do. it does i think it does uh, have kind of a, a steampunky feel to it
1: hmm. all right cool
0: yeah i mean if you look at some of i'm i'm just trying to skim through um models that are labeled as ribbonstone models through their instagram and there's quite a few that look like i wouldn't call them steam jacks but the equivalent of you know um steam work style monstrosities that are Common amongst the genre, so I see a lot of that yeah, stuff. Yeah. There's there's some other things in here. There's um a model that looks like it has kind of the Seder reverse knee legs on it. That's interesting. Um so anyway, there's there's a bunch of stuff out there, but it's it's a little hard to differentiate between is this part of their Rivenstone line or is this part of their um other business model? Yeah. So I don't know which mo- which which figures are which. What's what?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Um so I guess next on the, the topic to discuss. So then we went, went from, uh, you know, the convention area and went to Tony's house and I, I spent the remainder of, of the weekend at his house. And it was sort of funny. Like when I, I left Idaho and it was probably the nicest weather that we've had the entire year while I was gone. <laughs> and meanwhile, Chicago is doing its normal, uh, it's March. And so therefore it has to be in the like dreary thirties and forties. Uh, and so we were inside the the entire time. Um, and so I was going to talk a little bit about, um, several games that we played, some of which, um, I am sure that, that you guys probably played some as well, but some of the listeners probably haven't, and it would be a good chance to discuss them a little bit. Um, but the first one is a small little filler game that we played called uh hanabi um have have either of you had a chance to play this
0: yep i own a copy i don't i don't know if you play, there's a newer version so i don't know this if you is have, the fireworks the game version. right yes, yes. yes yeah i have played it though so um, do
2: you do you have the which Which version do you have trevor
0: i am assuming i have the first edition version I, is I bought it, it years is ago. it like does it have
2: the kind of mahjong tile looking um tiles that you play with or is it like cards It's cards Yeah so the they have the the much more affordable card version that that Trevor has um and then the one that I played is it's they are like Mahjong
1: tiles Oh I was like is it like way overproduced or Oh they're Mahjong tiles Jeez that's heavy Yeah that is that's pretty overproduced for what the game is but yeah it'd be cool It,
0: it makes
2: it it definitely adds to the uh experience of playing are you are you
1: putting them in a um what am i trying to say like an easel you know facing away from you does it have that level of stuff too
0: are you creating the fireworks Um, display as everyone looks up towards the tiles uh
2: no easels no
1: okay Uh, okay so you're holding them in hand still well you're just sitting them on the table oh oh okay yeah but when
0: you have your hand though you have the the ones you're holding that nobody else can see
2: yeah, so you just the tile the, the tiles the ones that you have you just have you know there's so the tiles have a, a generic side that everyone sees and then they have the other side that shows the value of the tile and so you'll draw your mahjong tile and and sit it in front of you with the side that everyone else can see is is showing out to everyone else.
0: I see. Um yeah, I mean this game is fantastic. It it uh it's one of those games where it can either make you want to kill someone <laughs> or give them a high five. And those same two emotions can happen within just turns of each other.
2: Uh, that's fair. Yeah. I, I, so I I do think that the, the Mahjong tiles or the, the overproduction of it was really cool.
1: Um, they look pretty hefty. As,
2: as someone who sells the game, I'll also say though, that the, uh, I mean, I guess let me look to see.
1: Is the Mazong tile I'm version doing like forty dollars or some ridiculous? It's,
2: thing? it's. I think it's even more. It is like super, super expensive. Because <laughs> uh, you can buy the card game for
1: like fifteen bucks, basically or something, can't?
2: You? Yes. Uh, okay. So this, this is I'm so excited. Is,
1: I'm so excited. <laughs>
2: this is amazing. So, uh, your your guess was forty dollars on the the tile version. Is that?
1: Yes. Yes, that's my
2: guess. Sure. Okay. Uh, sixty nine ninety nine. <laughs> Holy crap.
1: Oh, <laughs> uh, 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 yeah, I would not be able to justify that one. Seventy dollars on a game I don't already own? Sure.
2: Even even Josh <laughs>
1: has limits. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. Amazing.
0: So in, in the game of Hanabi, you are holding a hand of cards, or in this case, mm-hmm. a, a hand of tiles. Everyone else can see your tiles or your cards, but you. You look at the back of them, and then someone um, on their on their turn, they can look at you and tell you. Um, they can point to cards, and they can either give you uh, a number or a color, um, or maybe it's both. I
1: can't remember which. Yeah, I think it's either or.
0: And anyway, the, those things are to tell you, try to figure out which cards you're holding. And the whole point is there's stacks of different suits there's uh, red yellow green there's, blue there's there's five white.
2: colors yeah
0: yeah and, red 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 yellow green blue and white and you're trying to build those stacks from 1 to I can't remember what the highest number is 5 Five, yeah, and so you're trying to build those stacks, and, and the the theme of the game is that you're putting on a fireworks display. And as you build these stacks, the fireworks display gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, there's also, I don't know if they had it in the in the tile version, but in the card version, there's also a um, a extra stack that is like the wild colors. It's all colors, and so that if you want to make it even harder, you add a sixth stack of the all colors stack
2: yeah so when you give your your clue if you can say a number or you can say a color but so like if I had two of the number two in my hand uh they would have to say like both of these are twos mm-hmm. um and so you can't just be like, okay, this one here is a two uh yeah, you so have, yeah, it yeah does. Just,
0: if you have every, if you have twos they have to just tell you every single two you have
2: right so have. we we did not play the variant partially because we were you know, some of the people playing were were Tony's uh, like you know ten and eight year old, and so yeah. didn't need an an added layer of of difficulty.
0: Oh no, uh, you don't, because the base game is hard enough. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> especially especially if if uh, my my wife and I um, bless her heart, but her and I speak different languages sometimes, and this game really. <laughs> Accentuated it, it, yeah, makes it show, you know, because you, you you sometimes you have to you have to hint information to be if you want to complete the game if you want to get every stack to five you almost have to hint information you know you can't say anything directly correct, but rules, you have to give them you have to give them clues that hint to what the other cards are you know what right, I mean right and, yeah yeah, and yeah sometimes that information just does not come across
2: <laughs> right there has to yeah there has to be almost like a level of trust and then you do have to have some, uh, be kind of on the same wavelength sometimes. Uh, although uh, Tony did it his own, where he was like, okay, when I draw a tile, it goes on the right side of my stack, and then my tiles, you know, progress, rotate through, and then the left tile is the tile that I will always play unless I am, you know, have clues that indicate otherwise. So <laughs> there are some non cheating methods you can do that that make it a little bit easier but
0: it's it, still it gets, is it still gets fairly difficult to, to put does. together all the way to the top because every time you fail there's a fuse that's going on and every time you fail the fuse gets shorter and shorter and so eventually the fireworks display goes off whether you're ready for it or not and that's yeah. your score and uh it usually goes off way before you want it to
2: um the the card version is like 12 15 so if you haven't if you've never checked that out, um, it's it's a super cheap, affordable one, and and I think it it might have gotten some awards when it initially came out as well. So
0: I I will mention that I feel like this is one of those games. It's 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 a nice filler game. It's quick. Yeah, it's uh, quick. But it's also a great game for uh, couples and company um, and non gamers. Like this is a game yeah, that I, yeah. I've had great success teaching to non-gamers and having them get it and having them excited and enjoying the game, which is not easy sometimes, uh, but it is, it is kind of,
2: you can can teach the rules to it, you know, within a minute or
0: two. Right. And, and um, like I said, non-gamers get it. They understand it immediately and um, they have fun with it. Like I said, it is a, it is one of those games that works well. I think if you have like, you know you invite a couple over to play with you and you sit down as you know as a few people four people and and play a game of it it just it does it, it's that sort of fits that niche really well
2: so next game i was going to talk about was pandemic season zero so okay. the, the meat of what we played at the con was we got i the 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 spirit was willing but the body was weak there's there's points where you get to like, I would like to play another game of Pandemic, but currently uh, my brains are oozing outside of my ears. Like so, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> so many, so many games in a row, or or also there were, <laughs> we had kind of a, an interesting uh, mix of like super early morning people versus uh, late night people, <laughs> and so uh people would let me be guess
0: like, T- tony was one of the early morning people
2: uh yes yes <laughs> <He's>, <laughs>
0: he, he strikes me as one of those guys who gets up at 4 a.m to work out and start his day of building spreadsheets <laughs>
2: uh yes you're correct <laughs>
0: <laughs> love you tony <laughs> um
2: so we, we got probably I, I think we got through september we did the introductory game and we got through got through september i think we have probably three months left um our our plan currently is that we will finish finish the game through you know discord and online uh play of it
0: Um, so 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 tell me as someone who has played pretend for a moment that i haven't played any pandemic legacy is this is this the version you would recommend to somebody starting out it, it, cuz it's yes. a pre, prequel right oh yeah. really
1: okay interesting
0: yeah it's supposed to take place before season 1 and season 2 yes so should should they play it in order of season 1 season 2 season 0 or should they jump to season 0 to start and then or go
1: with season,
2: season 0 yeah
1: really okay cool yeah 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 like um, <laughs>
2: i don't feel bad as someone who has played who went season 1 season 2 season 0
1: right
2: but if it is someone who hasn't played any of pandemic legacy start with season zero
0: so let me let me frame another question then i've my wife and i've played through most of season one and we we never finished and i feel super bad about that but my plan is to actually get it back out and finish once we finish season one should we go to season two or should we go to season zero
2: um and it kind of feels like there isn't a wrong answer
1: okay that's fair enough you should just go (laughs) <laughs> yeah, just just I like play one it. of them. I like it. <laughs> no, that's that's a good answer.
2: So I I will say that uh in my opinion it it did live up to the other pandemic legacy games. I would say that it's very well done. Um, and I I think the probably even more so with this one than the other ones. Um, the thing that impresses me so much about it is that you are playing a pandemic game and it feels like you're playing a pandemic game. Okay. But more
1: so than the other, more so than season one. I, I I've only played like one turn of season two or whatever. Um, I would say, I
2: would say that season one probably feels more so like a pandemic game.
1: Okay. That's fine.
2: But it's, they're, they're close. But the, the thing that's impressive to me is that they are able to use core pandemic mechanics and still have it feel like a very different and unique experience. Right. And so in, in this game, you are, uh, instead of having viruses on the, the the table, there are enemy agents. And instead of having research stations, uh, you have safe houses. And it's, it's set in the 1960s in the Cold War. And so, you know, in... Another example of a core mechanic that's changed to fit the um, uh, suitability of, of the uh, setting is, you know, each of the town, each of the cities on the map, they're going to be either an allied city, a neutral city, or a Russia a Soviet allied city. And so, in in normal pandemic, you can Discard a card. Let's say I'm I'm in Washington D.C. and I have a uh, card for Tokyo. I can discard that card to Tokyo, and I will fly directly to Tokyo as one of my four actions. Yeah. So the way that it's different in this game is if I have an allied card, I can reveal it and not discard it, and I will travel directly to the allied city. Uh, if I am, if I have a neutral card, I can discard the neutral card and I will fly to the neutral city. If I have a Soviet allied card, I I cannot discard that card to travel directly to a Soviet allied city. I have to figure out a different way to get there. So it's an example. So of,
0: are, are all players? Is are, are all players on the um, NATO side of things? There's yes, nobody who's allied yes. with Russia. Okay. Correct.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You 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 start each month. and the, the 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 story behind it is that you're each doctors who responded to a, a listing for you know a generic government job, and it was the CIA recruiting you and um, the CIA thought that it would be easier to turn doctors into spies than it would be to <laughs> turn, turn spies into spies doctors. into doctors. <laughs> that's
1: that's factually accurate. Yeah, that's, yeah, uh, I really thought that one through.
0: So this, this reminds me of a book I read once.
2: Uh, what, what book was that?
0: I'm trying to remember the name of it. I think the author's last name was Reich. I'm trying hmm. to remember the name of the book. Anyway, it, it's Not about it uh, it, it's 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 about a a husband and wife who are who work for Doctors Without Borders. And mm. his, his wife disappears. And then he finds out later that she was, a, that he thinks she's dead, finds out later she's still alive. And sh- she was actually a spy for the CIA um, because, and sh- Doctors Without Borders allowed her freedom to move around the world to do the job. Right. She needed
2: to yeah, do.
1: Yeah, yeah. So that's,
0: that's funny.
2: So anyways, they, they do a lot of things like that where they change core rules of the game to fit, um, uh, the, the theme of the game, and so I, I think it's really cool that it's a very well themed game that um, there's that still feels like a pandemic game, um, but there's a lot of cool storyline stuff going on since it's legacy, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So, again, uh, highest marks for me on the pandemic legacy games uh, in general, and would recommend if it's a genre of game that you think you would enjoy, um, definitely would uh recommend that you do so um final game that i'll talk about real quickly i don't think that it's really um a a game that either of you would likely be interested in maybe but probably not um so there is a miniatures game that is called don't look back
1: okay and is it, it about, is is it about lot and his wife <laughs> it's Ooh, not. biblical
0: oh josh <laughs> with the biblical jokes <laughs>
1: it
2: it's kind of a a love letter to eighties horror movies
1: okay. and so
2: there in our game there was uh um the there's a a person who is running the 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 bad guy and and his his name was like sackface and and basically it's similar to the the texas chainsaw massacre villain um and in it ha, it comes with different villains or different scenarios that you're playing. But in ours, we were trying to just find out where the keys to the car were run across the board and get into the car and escape before we get killed by, um, by the villain. And, and the villain doesn't really uh, f- follow the laws of physics, just kind of like they don't in the movies. And so, you know, they could,
1: it wouldn't be believable if they did, right? I mean,
2: exactly. Yes. Yeah. And
1: so at one point they could
2: be they could be at at one part of the map, and then something happens in the game, and suddenly they're they're clear on the other side of the map. Um, so I, I will say that it's the the version we played. The person had, had done a, a great job of you know painting the terrain, painting the miniatures, and so that was immersive. The the kits that it comes with seems like it has. Uh, Good quality product that you can do. Um, it if if it's the type of movie that that you enjoy, then then I would say that uh, maybe look into the game. If you're not a horror movie fan, I, I don't really know that it would have much appeal to you because it's it is just kind of pretty immersive and kind of simulating the the experience of of one of the horror movies. So. That was that was another game that we we played through at at the Riccio Rumble.
0: And, and you're saying that this was a miniatures game, not a board game. I
2: th- yeah, I think I would call it more of a miniatures game.
0: How how would it? Did you play last Friday with me?
1: No, that was me and I fell asleep during it, and I'm so sorry.
2: Still, <laughs> I thought I maybe did play a little bit of that with you at one point.
0: Okay. Um, I mean, certainly you've played similar games. Um does it have any comparison at all to something like that?
2: Uh yeah, probably some similarities. I mean part of the reason why I'd say it's like a miniatures game is that it is you're doing like it, it has miniatures and you're you're measuring now your well, it has measuring widgets uh uh-huh. in it. But actually at points we're usually into measuring tape, but you you are there's there's free form movement over the the game area. It's not like there are squares on the game board or anything like that. And so but yeah, I mean it it has a list of actions that you can do. Um so it I I do feel like it, it was very successful in evoking its source material.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Last Friday is a hidden movement game. Um and uh I felt like it did a pretty good job of conveying that. I think its biggest sin is maybe it overstays its welcome a little bit. But that is some, what I felt, yeah.
1: But I mean, but a lot I was, of I was also quite tired that, that day too. or something.
0: No, no, it's it's a. I mean, slasher films overstay their welcome too. Like how how many times is the slasher going to get back up and keep going?
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, it didn't really have a hidden mechanic or hidden movement or anything like that. It was uh, really the the players were all kind of trying to work together to try to uh, escape the. scenario and it's it is a a very you know appropriate to the genre it's a very uh, lethal um, situation with it heavily favoring the the bad guy so if that sounds like something you'd be interested in check out their website the the way that they sell it is it sells in like vhs sized uh, (laughs) plastic cases
0: that's pretty
1: awesome no, it's so, funny dude.
2: Yeah. Is they they do tons of, you know, cool s- stuff like that that's appropriate to the genre. So but that's basically all the stuff I had to go over. Um I guess let us know what you guys think of it and tune in next week.